You need to see it. All right. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, it's funny that sometimes you can't remember what the fight was about, but you remember the fight. You ever had any of those? You know, you sort of uh, you look back on it. You can't remember what you were fighting about. Can't really remember the company that I was mad at when I did all of this, but I can remember that I was very, very angry. One of the things that you have to remember about me is that for most of my life, I've worked in call centers off and on. I started very, very early in my career working with IBM's service center in Atlanta back in the days when they really had true customer service centers that were just there for customer service. But after that, I left, and when I was in seminary, I worked for Holiday Inns for the Raleigh Reservations office, and then I worked with um, uh, AT&T Bell South and their so in their sales center for years. And one of the things that I know about call centers is they are not designed for customer service. I've worked on the other side of the street. They are sales centers. And if you call up with a problem, they don't want to talk to you because you aren't buying. And they have sales quotas that they have to meet. And if they don't meet their sales quotas, they get fired. So you are an annoyance. You are a pimple, you are a fly at the picnic, an ant on the food. Get you off the phone. So I had this situation at home where I absolutely knew that this company had billed us incorrectly and I was going to have to call the call center and it took me a couple of days to get ready to call the call center. I got myself psyched up, I mean I was ready to go. I knew exactly what I was going to say and how I was going to say it, and I understood that they weren't going to answer the question like I wanted them to, and I had already rehearsed how I was going to ask for the girl's manager, because generally it's a lady that answers the phone. And then once I got hold of that manager, and that manager wasn't going to give me what I wanted, then I decided I had already made up in my mind, figured out how I was going to ask for that manager's manager, and exactly how I was going to put it to help them understand that I'm not going to stop. If they don't answer my question, I'll go to the next one. I don't care. I know who your president is. I'll go to their office. I don't have a problem with that. I am going to get justice. You have my money. I think it was $15. But it's the principle. So I call after days. And I mean, I'm punk. You know how you do. I mean, I'm pumped. I'm ready. I got this thing. I know I am ready. And this lady answers the phone, and she was the sweetest thing I have ever heard in my life. Voice of an angel. Yes, Mr. Darnell. I explained my question to her just as firmly as I could, not letting her know just yet that I was loaded fit the bear, that I had bullets in every barrel, and if she even said boo, I was going to blow her away. She said, give me just a moment, let me check your records. I thought, here we go. And she comes back on the line and she says, Mr. Darnell, I see where that uh, has happened on your account. You're absolutely right. I'll credit you for that amount. <laughs> I was stunned into silence. I didn't know what to do. And after a minute or two, when I got myself back together again, I told her, I said, ma'am, I want to explain something to you. I said, when I called him this morning, I was ready to blow somebody away. This just made me furious. But because you were so nice and you were so kind and the way you handled everything, I'm not mad anymore. 
And I want to thank you for the way you handled me this morning. You took a customer who was on the verge of being irate and turned them into a happy customer. And her response was something along the lines of, well, I'm very glad you didn't yell at me today. <laughs> and I said, I am too. And we hung up. And then I got to thinking about that. And I thought about how I had taken something that really wasn't a hard thing. And I had made it very, very hard. How I had taken something that really, I had no idea how it was really going to turn out. I had to make a phone call. I didn't know if I'd get somebody nice or if I'd get somebody who had a bad day. I, I didn't know. But I made that into something so hard that for days, and I'm not kidding you guys, for days, I was working on this thing, getting myself psyched up. I was going to go to the president of the company. I didn't care. I was, going to get, I was going to get satisfaction. I made it very, very hard. I think that's what we do with Jesus. I really think that's what we do with Jesus, that we make it very, very hard. We make our faith very, very hard. I mean, all of life is complex, right? You start looking around at all the things that we're faced with every day that comes. There are no, there are no simple things, it appears. Everything is very, very difficult. And when you start talking about God, I mean, we're talking about God, you know, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He has got to be complex. He covers the whole, everything that is and beyond. That's got to be hard. It's got to be complex, so it's got to be complex to have a relationship with him. I think we make it too hard. The last few weeks, some of you might have picked up that there's been a pattern in our messages. Essentially, what we've been doing is we've been going down what we call the Roman road to salvation. For those of you who don't have a clue what I'm talking about there, there are certain scriptures in Rome, in Rome, in Romans, the book of Romans really is sort of Paul's systematic theology. He lays out how God operates going through the book of Romans. And so there are certain verses that you can take in Romans that you can sit down with a person and lead them to Christ by going through these verses. And that's what we've been going through for the last three or four weeks. And we're gonna, we have one more week left in this process. We started out now, not in Romans, we started out in Genesis. Now, we started out in the beginning because what I'm hoping for in all of this is two things. Number one, that somebody's going to listen and that they're going to piece the pieces together. The Holy Spirit is going to take what we're talking about and is going to put it into their heart. They'll put all this stuff together and they'll realize what God is and who Jesus is and who they are in Jesus' face and that they'll be saved. That, I really would like that to happen. That's not a bad thing. That would be good. But I also want people that are Christ followers, us, to remember what it is we stand on. Guys, I, it, it's, you know that this, is, is trouble, this election thing is troubling me real, real bad. Because I watch Christians say things that I know you do not mean. And you act ways that I know you would not act. Because we are so worked up and angry and have these things going through our heads. What is it all about? What is our lives all about? What is the basis of who we are? That's what I'm trying to get to here. 
So we started with Genesis 1-1, and we talked about there being a God. Do you all remember that a few weeks back? We talked about there being a God, and that you could believe in God, or you could believe God. And we came out on the side that we need to believe God. And then the next week, we moved to Romans 3-23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all understood that week that we are all sinners. It's very simple. We are all sinners. doesn't matter who we are, how good we are, how good we pretend to be, where we're at. It does, none of that stuff matters. We are all sinners separated from God, and we were helpless to correct that problem. We are helpless to correct that problem. Had God not intervened, we would have been lost for all time. We would have died and gone to hell. Now, that's sort of an abstract kind of thing, but let me help you understand something. Maybe we can bring it home just a little bit. How many of you know Chad Malcolm? Not everybody. If you saw Chad, you'd know him. I, th- I don't know. Did Chad ever play football? I've never asked him. Man, if Chad didn't play, he, if he didn't play football, he missed a great opportunity. He is a big old guy. He's got big old shoulders. He looks like somebody that I'm going to say yes, sir, to no matter how old I am and how young he is. He is a big guy. Chad Malcolm's dad passed away this week. He's been sick for a while. And finally on Thursday this week, Chad's dad died. He's going to be buried this afternoon at 2 o'clock. If Mr. Malcolm, Chad's dad, had never realized that he was a sinner, had he never realized that God has done something for him, if he had never known that, Mr. Malcolm would be dead and in hell today. And his son, Chad, would be standing by his casket, looking at his dad's John Deere hats. Obviously, John Deere meant something to them. I didn't have a chance to ask. And mourning like a man who had no hope because his dad would be gone. And he'd never see his dad again. And you know, you can joke about all you want to that, you know, I'd rather laugh with the sinners and than cry with the saints. And at least when I get to hell, there'll be good company. I got bad news for you dudes. When you get to hell, you don't get to party. It's not going to be an open bar when you get there. And there's not going to be dancing girls up in cages and guys walking around in thongs pretending they're Chippendales. It's not going to happen. We get to hell, we will be lonely, we will be filled with hate and anger and burning for all eternity. Chad would have known that that's where his dad was. And we can sit here and think of it as a philosophical abstraction, but there's nothing abstract about that for Chad. He's standing there today and that is his hope. That he will see his father again one day. Because of what we studied last week, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chad knows today that his dad is in heaven with God because God did something. God did something. While we were still powerless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We know this to be true because the word of God says it's true and we accept it by faith. Can't prove it to you. Hadn't been there, hadn't seen it. But I know that it's true. So this brings us to today, to to Romans 10, 8 through 10. Scripture says, but what does it say? 
But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I want us to answer two questions today. I want us to answer two questions. First, what exactly is God asking us to do? What exactly is God asking us to do? And number two, how do we do what he's asking us to do? What is God asking us to do? And how do we do what he's asking us to do? To get to the first question, we have to first answer, we have to go way back in time. In verse 8, Paul says, but what does it say? This is one of those questions that when you... When you're doing your daily Bible reading and you run across this sentence, you have a little trigger that goes up, but you just blow on by it. What does it say? Does that make anybody have a question at all? It makes me have a question. But what does it say? What is it? What is it? What is he talking about when he says, but, but what, what does it say? Well, what is it? What is it? So if you've got your Bible, if you'll look at it real close, if you've got one of these reference little dinghies, that at the bottom of the little dinghy, that is a theological term. I learned that at Southeastern. If you got one of those kind of Bibles, down here at the bottom, you can see there's all this little bitty tiny writing that you young people can real, read real easily, but us older people have to keep moving our heads till it comes in focus. And if you look over beside, look at verse 8, it says, uh, but what does it say? And in my Bible, because of the references in it, there's a little bitty tiny lowercase L. Little L, letter L. So I go to the bottom down here where all this little bit tiny stuff is and I look real hard and I see it says chapter 10 and then I go down to verse number 8 and I'll see it 8. It has an L and then it says cited from Deuteronomy 30, 14. So then I need to go back to Deuteronomy 30, verse 14 to see what it is that Paul is referencing as it. What does it say? So I go back to Deuteronomy 30 and I find out at Deuteronomy 30 that this is where Moses is preparing the Hebrew children to enter into the promised land for real this time. You know, the first time they got to the promised land, nobody would go in because they sent the spies in and the spies came back and said that we can't win this land. Two of them said, yeah, yeah, we can do it, we can do it. The other ten said, there ain't no way, these guys are going to kill us. And God says, okay, then you don't go in the promised land this time. Well, on this time, in, verse, in chapter 30, this is where God is about to let them go into the promised land. Moses is telling them, I'm not going to get to go. You know I'm not going to get to go. But he's going more than that. He's telling them now, this is how you enter the promised land. This is how you do it. Folks, don't let this be lost on you this morning. As we go through this and study, don't let this part be lost on you. Paul understands that the scenario that he's presenting to the Romans, the scenario that he's presenting to us today, is exactly the same scenario that Moses was presenting to the Hebrew children when they were standing on the banks of the promised land. The, prom the promised land, people, is right in front of you. You feel like your life is going down the tubes. You feel like things are crazy, that you'll never have peace, that you'll never understand, that it doesn't make sense, that why do the people do? The promised land is right in front of you. It's yours for the taking. 
God is saying in both cases here, listen, you didn't do anything to deserve this promised land, but I love you so much, I prepared this thing for you a long, long time ago while you were still powerless. Before you even knew you needed this thing, I was building this for you. For the Hebrew children, have you ever thought about this now? Think, think with me for a minute. Have you ever thought about this? We always talk about they get to the promised land, they get to, to the Jordan River, they go, eh, not going to do that today. God's punishment to them was to say, you know what? That's cool. Don't go in. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to wander for the next 40 years in this little bitty tiny area that you could have walked across in a couple of days. But because of what you've done, you're on your own. Go out there for 40 years and you just have a good time. When all the people over 20 years old this day die, we're going to come back and try this thing again. So y'all just go on and that's what's going to happen. And we always focus on that. We always focus on the exile. Not the exile. We always focus on them being in the wilderness, their disobedience, all the things that happened in the wilderness. But while they were over in the wilderness, while they were powerless to go into the promised land, God's still preparing the promised land for them. Do you understand that? That while you are too dumb to know that you need a Savior, me dumb too, I'm not just calling you dumb. While we had no clue we needed a Savior, While we didn't know up from down, while we were still doing the things that we do, he is preparing for us a promised land. While we were still powerless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Situation is identical. Now, here's the question. What exactly is God asking us to do? What exactly is God asking us to do? We're still in Deuteronomy 30, starting at verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Listen to what he is saying. This is not too hard for you. I have heard people say to me over and over, people in my own family, Randy, I can't understand the Bible. This is too hard for me. Moses is saying it to his people right here. This is not too hard for you. Neither is it a long way off. It's not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who shall go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. This sounds real close to what Romans 10 says because Paul is essentially paraphrasing it. You guys in school, this is a trick that we do when we write papers, right? Because see, if you know you quote it exactly, then you've got to footnote it and then you've got to put it in your bibliography and footnotes are a pain. They are always a pain. Everybody hates a footnote. So instead of quoting it exactly, we'll take the idea, we'll change three or four words, we'll call it a paraphrase, and we hope to goodness Miss Phillips don't catch it and cause us to have a bad grade. That's what we do, right? No, I'd never do that, preacher. I did. I did all the way through seminary. Works real good. Paul just did that. Paul took what was took the idea from Deuteronomy, he pulls it forward into, into Romans, and he says, go back to verse 6 in Romans, he says, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that's to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that's to bring Christ up from the dead. Same concept that in Deuteronomy 30, 14 he says, 
but the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Paul said in Romans 10, the word is very near. The word is near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. Paul doesn't add the part so that you can do it because he doesn't have to. We're going to see what he's talking about. Back to Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today. Here's the question. Here's the question. Hold this one in your mind. Write this one down. Here's the question. I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. That's the question that we're required to answer. It's the reason that I opened with the illustration that I opened with today. I made my call center, my call to the customer service center really, really hard, much harder than it needed to be. We make this God thing hard, really, really much harder than it needs to be. The question we are confronted with is insanely simple. The question is, do you choose life and good or do you choose death and evil? That's the question, and it's the foundational question. For all of life, it's the foundational question. Do you choose life and good, or do you choose death and evil? And you can argue with me if you want to. Pastor, you don't understand my life. You don't understand where I've been. You don't understand the things that have happened to me. You don't understand where I've gone, the things I've taken, the people I've been with, what people have done to me. Okay, I don't understand. It doesn't change the question. The question is still the same. While we were sinners, while we were powerless, God made a way for you to enter the promised land and live there for the rest of your life. Do you choose to go or do you not? It is that simple. Do you choose life and good or do you choose death and evil? So there's the first question. Which do you choose, life and good or death and evil? Which do you want? Do you want the promised land or do you want exile? That's your question. Second question is this one. How do we, we're looking for the answer to this one. How do we do what God has asked? How do we get to the promised land? We go back to what Moses told the Hebrew children. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Moses is saying if you obey the law, if you will obey God, and God says, follow the law to be righteous. If you do these things, this is what Moses says. And then we get to Romans 10. And Paul says this, instead of saying, follow all the rules, he says this, guys. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will Just that simple. Jesus said back in Matthew 15, this made me think of it when I, was, when I was doing the sermon. Back in Matthew 15, Jesus says it's what comes out of your mouth that defines you. Now you'll go back to Matthew 15 and you'll come to correct me and you'll say, Randy, it doesn't say define, it says defile. I understand what it says, but I'm looking at the meaning of it, not just the word. Jesus says back in Matthew 15 that what comes out of you is what defines who you are. What comes out of your mouth proceeds from your heart 
And your heart in the Bible is understood as that part of you that defines who you are. It's your personality. It's your mind. It's you. And you, in the deepest recesses of your being, believe that Jesus did indeed do this for your sins while you were still powerless. And you see his great love for you, and you turn away from your sins, and you turn towards him, and you confess with your mouth that he is now your Lord, that he is now the ruler of your life, that you're going to follow him, that his way is good and his way is life, and that's the way you're going to go as best as you understand it. You don't have to know all the stuff as best as you understand it. Then you've entered the promised land. You're saved. And it's as simple as that. There is no more to it than that. God presents you with a choice that you understand that you have to make. Will I choose life and good or will I choose death and evil? And if I choose life and good, then I must believe in my heart and confess with my, my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, that's as far as I can take you. Boat stops here. Here's the dock. Time to hop out. Car's out of gas, pulling over the side of the road. Time to get out. That's as far as I can take you. That's it, Tony. End of the line. Now it's in your court. Pastor Randy, how can I be sure that Jesus did this for me? I can't tell you how to be sure. I can tell you what I know. What I know is that the Bible says so. And in my heart, I know that it's true. And I suspect in your heart, you know that it's true too because the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you know what the truth is. Well, Pastor Randy, shouldn't I feel something special? People always tell me that they feel this overwhelming sense of something. Shouldn't I feel that? I can't answer that for you either. I've seen people saved that sat on the front pew that embarrassed me because they were so emotional. I mean, they were blubbering, they had noses running and slobbering and tears and you could give them the whole box of Kleenex and they'd still need a little bit more because they are so heartbroken over their sins and so happy that their sins have washed away and they're free and all that past is gone. I've seen people do that and then I've seen me. And I was sitting in the pew and it's like all of a sudden I just understood. It just made perfect sense to me all of a sudden. You know what, Randy? You were a crumb. And yet Jesus loved you anyway. And he did die on a cross. And he was raised from the dead. And he did it for you. And I want to follow him. Well, now, Randy, that sort of worries me just a little bit that you never cried over your sinfulness. I don't remember saying that. Because years down the road, I started to understand how deep my sinfulness really was. Years down the road, I started to understand what my sinfulness meant to God. And I got broken up over it. And then years passed, and you know what? I got broken up over those same sins all over again because then I realized that not only was it just me and God that was involved in those sins, but I hurt other people too. And I caused them problems with God. And I got broken up over them all over again. That's all I can tell you. That's how it worked for me. 
I'd love to have a clever ending to this sermon, but I don't. Love to have some magic application for sinner and saint alike that would make you walk out of here this morning going, wow, that was phenomenal. But I don't. It's very simple. If you haven't chosen life and good and trusted Christ as your Savior, he is presenting that to you right this minute. Well, Mr. Smarty Pants Preacher, how in the world do you know that? How do you know he's presenting that to me? (laughs) Because you're here. See, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. Coincidences are lost on me now. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that everything happens. Either God causes it to happen or he knows that it's going to happen and he allows it to happen. And he knows that I need to be there. And you are here this morning because he wanted you to hear this message. And I can tell you this morning that the message is for somebody. You may not walk the aisle and that'll be fine, but you'll go home with this message because the message didn't come to me until last night about 8 o'clock when I got home from seeing Chad. I tried all week to write the sermon and it would not come. And I didn't get worried about it. I didn't get upset about it for some weird reason because normally Saturday night specials are not really good sermons. And you may walk out of here and go, well, Randy, you kept that streak alive. (laughs) And that'll be okay. But I know that I know that I know that God is speaking to somebody's heart in here today. Maybe planting the seed that'll grow later. That's fine. But this is out there. And if you're a Christ follower, you might be thinking, well, Randy has preached his obligatory evangelistic message to get every to get the folks saved that aren't saved. And I'm telling you right now, you are just as wrong as wrong can be. This sermon was for you too. Now, I know that we can't lose our salvation. When we are saved, we are saved from eternity. We can go quote the scripture. Nothing can separate me from Christ, neither height nor depth. You know all that one. We know the one that says there is now therefore no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, that's probably my favorite one because I like to beat myself up when I do something wrong. Even if it's not really wrong, I still like to beat myself up. It's just what I do for fun. And it's nice to hear God tell me every now and then, you know what, Randy? There's only one of us beating you up, pal. Why don't you come to my side because I'm not doing it. So I know that, but every day of our lives, listen, folks. Every day of our lives, we are presented with situation after situation and choice after choice. And it is the same choice over and over and over again. Who will you follow today? Who will you choose to follow? It happens every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every month of every year of every decade of every century. It is the same thing presented to you over and over and over again. Randy, life isn't that simple. Yes, it is. We struggle over so many things in our lives. Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? What's the right thing to do? I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Should I do it? Should I not? And a lot of times what we need to do is really lean back and go, which one of these is going to take me towards life and good? And which one of these is going to take me towards death and evil? Right? The question's the same. The only difference is, is when you're a Christian and you choose death and evil, Father comes along behind us and he says, you know what, you are on the wrong road. 
let's get you where you belong. And if you don't listen, he will keep putting the heat on until eventually you do listen or you will be so bound in his heat you'll wonder what in the world's going on in your life. And you'll know in your heart what's going on because the choice is the same. Am I going to choose good and life or am I going to choose evil and death? One last little tidbit, and then I am done. If you will sit still long enough and be quiet long enough, here comes the S word. I can't help myself. Turn off the stupid television. You haven't got to see Bill and Greta and whoever comes next and what's his name. You don't have to see them every night. They're going to say the same thing over and over and over again. And if you flip over to CNN, they're going to say it again just in a different way. And you can see Morgan Freeman talking about how the universe was formed a thousand times. It'll be on reruns, or you can go online and watch it now. It's amazing. You haven't got to do that. Sit still. Be quiet. Make your kids think you're up to something. And listen. And when you are finally quiet and you're saying, Lord, I need to hear your voice. You will hear in your heart of hearts. And you'll hear him say, this is my way, walk in it. And you will know. Because he says you will know. And as Forrest Gump says, that's all I've got to say about that. Let's pray. I don't know, Father. I know that you... I know that you wanted us to hear this this morning. nothing else we can do but throw it out there for everybody to hear. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will take the weak words of this poor dumb country boy from Austell, Georgia and apply the wisdom of the ages to it so that somebody will hear in their heart that they are free and they've been made free by the power of the blood of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And that you are as real as this room, that you are as real as the air that we breathe, and that you truly want to guide us through life, and you are not hard to find, and you are not difficult to get along with. Pray for that this morning, Father. go from this place don't let that go away nag us be like the dripping faucet that just won't stop until we say yes I will follow you in Christ's name Amen